You're listening to the OKC82 Podcast, the best place for OKC Thunder basketball, a part of 1077 The Franchise Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the OKC82 Podcast. This is Brady Trantham. Uh, sorry, guys, about no podcast uh, on Saturday. Um, the Thunder, the Franchise Thunder Insider Show, um, as great as it was, uh, and my uh, guest that I always have on Mondays, uh, Mr. Chisholm Holland, was actually on that show uh, in for Madison Morris, who is um, on vacation in Florida. Um, as great as it was, there was not that much Thunder talk, so I just kind of decided, eh, Mondays are usually our NBA-wide, our league-wide podcast with some Thunder flavor, of course. So I thought I'd just save you guys the trouble and basically talk about it today because a lot of what we talked about was just, it's, it's old news now, Chisholm. And by the way, Chisholm Holland is joining me, not on location. Uh, we're not in studio, I should say. He is on location elsewhere. But it's just a shame, Chisholm. We were, um, we were on the radio from 10 to nude Saturday, and if we had been on four or five hours later, we would have had a lot more to talk about. <laughs> Struggling for content, trying to come up with subjects, find different angles, get creative. And then, of course, after we got the radio, that's when the big news breaks. But ripple effects are huge, so it gives us something to talk about today, which is nice. Oh, yeah, no question. Uh, for those that have been living under a rock or if you ha- were unfortunately in a coma just over the weekend, uh, <laughs> it finally happened. Anthony Davis has been traded to the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, for basically the Lakers' entire future for the next seven to ten years. <laughs> um, they give up Lonzo Ball, um, Josh Hart, Brandon Ingram, who's still dealing with the blood clot in his shoulder. So, I mean, prayers to him. That's that's bigger than basketball. That's health. Uh, and then as well as the number four, the, the rights, the not the rights to the number four pick. The Lakers will still um, pick, but they'll probably be drafting for the Pelicans. They'll be drafting for the Pelicans. For this year's number four pick, and then two more picks down the line. Uh, Chisholm, I've read every thank piece on this so far. I'm still a little confused as to how all these work because these picks have protections. So just go ahead, please explain why the Pelicans just totally ravaged the Lakers' draft future for the next few years. Yeah, I mean, obviously the Lakers are at a, on a little bit of a timetable crunch. Uh, LeBron James isn't exactly. A uh, spry young lad as he used to be. So they, they they've got a few years here with LeBron where they know they're going to be in contention and they're going to be trying to win titles. So those draft picks hold less value for them. But it is complicated of knowing which ones they get, which ones have protections, and the protections are actually on one of them reverse of what we're used to. Basically, the number four pick is going to go to Los Angeles or go to, to the Pelicans from Los Angeles, and they'll get their choice in the litter or be able to move that pick to a different team if they decide to, uh, being New Orleans. And then after that, it gets it gets a little bit more complicated. Next season, the pick is protected one through eight, um, and it's protected where if the Lakers are one through eight, they retain the pick, they make the pick. If not, it falls to an unprotected pick in twenty twenty two, twenty twenty one. So after that, there's two pick swaps and another unprotected first round pick. But just to make it super simple. Basically, what New Orleans gets the advantage of is they're going to have three first-round picks, including the number four pick in this draft, which they'll use on Thursday. And they have two years where if the Lakers are worse than the Pelicans are, they'll trade picks, much like Boston and uh, the Brooklyn Nets did just a handful of years ago. So, I mean, 
those could go one of two ways. If you know the Lakers are in title contention, which some people assume, which is probably a fair assumption, those picks are going to be in the late 20s, so they're not going to hold much value. But if it's a Brooklyn situation where they think they're going to be a title team for a handful of years and it kind of blows up in their face, those picks could become extremely valuable. Um, so beauty's in the eye of the beholder. It really depends on how much you value the picks because I think we can both agree that Lonzo Ball is a fine player. I don't think he's ever going to be a top-flight point guard in the league. Brandon Ingram has health concerns, and he's also someone who's a fine player. He might be a very good player, but I don't ever see him being a top-five, top-ten player in the league either. So the player compensation isn't enough for Anthony Davis and, you know, obviously Josh Hart, who I'm in love with. But, you know, all that aside, the player compensation is not enough. It's, it's the value of those picks. What do those picks turn into that's really going to set the market for New Orleans here? But it's a complicated trade. And the thing with it, too, is that last pick comes out in 2025. That's forever away. So we won't see the completion of this trade for a long, long time. But, I mean, the Lakers, to their credit or to their disservice, however you want to view it, definitely went all in with this one. Yeah, I mean, Chisholm, obviously there's a ton to unload um, with this deal. I mean, you can look at it from a multitude of different angles. Um, but <laughs> for fear of, like, getting too ahead of myself, I'll just go ahead and say, um, I, you know, I, sometimes you can like the deal for both sides. Um, a lot of the times we find ourselves, like, we have to have a take. We have to have a take now. The second that we see it pop up on our iPhone screens that when the Woj bomb drops, we always have to have a take. Who won the trade? Who lost the trade? There, there is a lot of this. There, there's a lot with this deal that, you know, I like it for both sides, but um, you can look no further than the Boston Celtics who you mentioned. And there are a lot of similarities to that deal that they, um, when they swindled the Brooklyn Nets, well, with the Brooklyn Nets, uh, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, and then they get all these draft picks. You could find yourself in a situation where you become way too flexible and you have way too many assets because look where the Boston Celtics are now. I mean, Kyrie Irving is all but gone, and now they're left with, well, I hope Jason Tatum is the player that we all think that he's going to be um, if you're the Boston Celtics. So um, having said that, I'm just curious, this deal... Everybody knew that Anthony Davis was going was wanting to be a Laker, so there was a lot of pressure on the Lakers to just basically make this deal happen, which gave New Orleans a lot of uh, flexibility in this deal. But I'm curious, do you think that they do this if they guaranteed get Zion Williamson? Let's just say they had the number two or the number three pick. Do you think that this deal makes a lot of sense, or does this deal only make sense because they're going to get Zion Williamson. Because I agree with what you said. We don't know what Lonzo and Brandon Egram are going to be. And if they're put in a different situation, a better situation, maybe they become better players. But I, I agree. I, I don't think that they're going to be any kind of top flight, top five guys at their positions. Yeah, no, I mean, them them getting Zion in the lottery at those miraculous odds really changed the landscape of what this trade was going to look like. And David Griffin just a handful of days ago came out and said he wanted an all-star, a young guy who was going to be an all-star, and two first-round picks. That was his his request or what he was asking in a trade package. That didn't happen. He didn't get an all-star. And I mean, I guess if you want to count Brandon Ingram as someone who could be an all-star, I don't know if I see that. I guess it's in the cards, but it doesn't seem like it's like 100% going to happen. I mean, it's a gamble. So he was flexible on that, but he did get a lot of younger players who are a little bit more on Zion's timetable, where I think David Griffin knew that I have the blue-chip cornerstone guy. I have the guy I can build around. This is our future. I'm not having to trade for our future. This isn't 
Um, whenever you know San Antonio traded Kawhi Leonard, if they trade Kawhi Leonard for what New Orleans got on Saturday, you know they're not competitive anymore. They're rebuilding. They're going to be you know a middle thirty win team, and they're going to be struggling uh, to try even scrape the playoffs for the first couple of years. And San Antonio had no interest in that, so they had to trade for their future. They had to get Demar Rosen. They had to keep someone who kept their floor high. Um, you know, and you could I mean, you could basically just go down, trade all the way down. Uh, of trading superstars, generally that's what people are concerned with is keeping their floor high. Well, when you have Zion Williamson, this is the guy. This is the blue chip. This is who we're building around. Suddenly that answers a lot of questions because when you're normally trading a guy of Anthony Davis's level or Kawhi Leonard or Boogie Cousins or Paul George or any of these guys who've been moved recently, usually you're trading away who the central tenant of your franchise is and you're not getting one back. So then you're in constant search of that person. Who are we building around? Who is the best player on our team? usually don't have that answer when you make a trade like this. New Orleans has the benefit of we already know who we're building around. We know who the center center of our team is going to be for the next at least eight years. We know that guy is Zion Williamson. They were in a different situation, which makes the trade package that they really needed different. They don't. They didn't need to go trade for a 31-year-old Mike Conley, even though Mike Conley is a great player. They need to trade, trade for people who are in the age range as Zion, because that's their future. That's who they're building around. They were just in a totally different situation, and Zion changed everything about the trade package that they were looking for. And to your point, I think if they don't win the lottery, they don't make this deal. They don't. They're they're not interested in Brandon Ingram or Lonzo Ball. They're trying to keep basketball in New Orleans relevant. So they're probably trying to get a better player, like a DeMar DeRozan or like a Mike Conley or like name a guy who's going to be out there in the trade market this summer, or Bradley Beal. They're trying to get those guys. They're not trying to get young players to put around Zion. But they have that option now, which, you know, again, that lottery, which feels forever ago, really, really changed the course of the league. Like, again, I don't think this deal gets done if they don't win it. Yeah, I was just waiting for Adam Silver to block the trade for whatever reason, just to harken back to the Chris Paul <laughs> trade that never happened. Um, and then Davis ends up on the Clippers. <laughs> and Kawhi goes to the Clippers, and now we have a completely different story. But... Um, no, it's it's really fascinating just because, like, before we get into the, the Lakers side of the deal, and I think it's apparent why it's good for them right now, why it happened for them right now, uh, I just want to get your opinion. This Like, we don't need to spend too much time on this because we, we could talk about this on an entire podcast if we wanted to, and I'm sure we'll have time to in the dog days of August probably, but player empowerment, and it's been talked about a lot, it's been written about a lot. It's good in a lot of ways. It's bad in a lot of ways. I just, I just really wanted to get your take on it, just because now that this Anthony Davis deal is done, this this puts to bed the unfortunate situation that was Anthony Davis in New Orleans. And look, I completely understand the competitive nature of a big time player like Anthony Davis. He gets drafted by New Orleans, and in his years with the Pelican, with the Hornets and the Pelicans, formerly the Hornets. Um, the front offices did not put him in situations to succeed fully. They they put a, a player, a nice player around him, like Drew Holiday, uh, DeMarcus Cousins via trade um, for Buddy Heald. They would put one or two guys around him, but they just did a poor, poor job of building, kind of similar to the first run with the Cleveland Cavaliers and LeBron James, where it was, you know, one good one good partner in crime and then nothing after that. So I completely understand Anthony Davis's frustration, but with how that went down last year of just, you know, I've, my pinky hurts, so I'm not going to play. Dude, we know why you're not playing. 
Um, his agent, Rich Paul, Clutch Sports, who represents you know LeBron James, a lot of other good players in the league. I believe the Thunder have two or three of them on roster right now. Uh, Nerlens Noel, if you count him, he's technically on the roster. Um, with with this kind of being the off season, um, big time for um, agencies dictating terms, whether it be Clutch or Rock Nation, Jay Z, who has Kevin Durant now Kyrie Irving. I mean, do you like it? I mean, it's good for us because it gives us content and stuff to gobble up. It's good for fans in a way because it, it's talk. They're talking points during times where there's no basketball going on. But I, I can see stuff like this really alienating the fans in the middle of the country from small markets because players are like Anthony Davis are never going to stop playing for the Lakers or the Knicks because they want to go play in Indiana or because they want to go play in Milwaukee. That's just not going to happen. So I'm just curious what your take is on the whole player empowerment thing. Yeah, I mean, it's complicated. And it's really hard to know exactly what you think because we're right in the middle of it. Like, it just started. And obviously, Paul George was on the forefront of this, um, as well as Kawhi. And, you know, Boogie wanted to stick around Sacramento because that dude wanted his money. Um, but we're right on the forefront of the player empowerment. And obviously, all started with LeBron James choosing to go to Miami. That's the, that's the point that people focus on, of him dictating his own future. That's actually not where I think this all started. I think it all started when LeBron James went back to Cleveland for the second time because he, saw, he signed those one-year plus one-year options, and that just absolutely forced Cleveland's hand on a day-in and day-out basis to do whatever LeBron wanted because if not, he was going to leave that summer. And so he just hamstringed the entire organization, and then we see Kevin Durant do it with Golden State, and I don't think Kevin was doing it to force Golden State to do anything. I thought I think Kevin was doing it because he thought, ah, at the end of the year, I might not want to be here, but I want to have that option to leave. But we're just on the forefront of this. And so I'm not entirely sure how I think it's going to work out yet or if I think it's a good thing. The only examples I can look at is Cleveland right now without LeBron James. Well, they traded a whole bunch of future assets. They locked up a lot of cap room and bad contracts to try to appease him. And now their rebuild, which usually people hope takes two, three, four years, looks like it's going to take five or six. That doesn't look good. Um, you look at the San Antonio Spurs, they trade for a guy like DeMar DeRozan, and now Sean Mark came out last week or the week before. I can't, I can't remember, but on the Ryan Masilla podcast, it said that the Spurs are looking to move DeMar DeRozan to get more cap flexibility. Basically, these teams are either hamstringing themselves or they're left with nothing. And they're just decimated in this, in this weird middle ground. So the only two examples I can think of right now where we have seen results of it, it doesn't look good. Indiana is the only one who really came out ahead. And obviously in the moment, no one thought Victor Oladipo was ever going to be this good. No one thought Demonis Sabonis was going to be this good. They thought they were fine players, but not great players. And they turned into great players. So Indiana survived. So I, I guess I need more examples of what this is going to look like because if it's the LeBron James model where teams, the players just hamstring teams, force them to make short-sighted moves year after year after year, and then they leave when all the assets are gone and a team is just decimated to the ground for five years, that doesn't seem like a good model. But, I mean, if it can be healthy with the Indiana where you have a guy who's unhappy, he asks for a trade, the team makes the trade that's best for them, and it works out, that's fine. I, I, I think it's just going to be like everything else in basketball where there's going to be situations where we go, yeah, 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 that shouldn't have happened. That's not good. And then you turn around, you're going to be situations where you're like, oh, that was exactly how this worked out. That was a win-win for both teams. Because I just don't think there's ever going to be a perfect model in professional sports. So 
Right now, this doesn't feel like it's destroying the league. It feels like it's destroying certain teams and working out for others. So I just don't know. Maybe five years from now, we'll look back and go, this is the worst thing that ever happened to basketball. I just don't know if I want to say that right now because I just need more examples. I want to see what Giannis does whenever he gets to free agency. I want to see what other guys in that realm, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, and all these young up-and-coming players, Luka Doncic, what they do when they get there. Do they hamstring their teams? Do they blow up franchises like LeBron did? Or do do they they stick around or do they move on and the team gets better like Indiana? I'm not sure. So I I just think we're a little too close to it right now because it just started. But it's definitely interesting, and it makes the league, from a content standpoint, as good as it's ever been. Because coming into next year, I mean, the Lakers, who did make the playoffs last season, are now the NBA title favorites. They're the favorites to win the NBA title. I mean, it's just chaos because no one knows where anybody's going. So from a content standpoint and a fan watching, I'm sure it's more interesting than it's ever been. But if we look five years from now, and 15 teams are horrible because of it, because they got hamstrings by superstars, then it's not going to be good. But right now, it feels like it's working, but too close to tell for me. No, it's it's weird. It's it's really weird. The, the Lakers haven't made the playoffs in, in how many years? And in the last two off seasons, they've had two of you know arguably the top five, top six, seven players in the world just joined their team. One of them just walked over there willingly because he wanted to make movies and do other things. The other one they had to trade, you know, a, a fair amount of assets for. So that's kind of basically been the norm. If you're going to get a player like an Anthony Davis throughout NBA history, you typically, if you get him, you trade a lot for him. So that makes sense. But uh, it's it, that's just kind of the thing that we live in. And like, I agree with you. We, we still need to be, you know, maybe a few more years removed from it to actually have a, an honest take on it. But I mean, yeah, I agree. I agree. There's never going to be a point in time where every single player and every single front office office executive hold hands and sing kumbaya with each other, and everybody's on the exact same page. That utopia is just not going to exist. The player empowerment thing, like, it, it's good in that it's forced front office executives to be to have that pressure. They need to have that pressure because how many times have we seen franchises and um, teams? basically just say, oh, we've got this one all-star, we're going to sell out tickets, that's all we care about is just making a profit. And they do not surround their player or their all-star player with other guys. They don't They don't go that extra mile to make sure that their, their guy is taken care of and that his career and legacy aren't tarnished by, well, they didn't make the playoffs or they didn't go the far, that far in the playoffs because they were surrounded by crap talent. So in that, it, it's, it's a really good thing. And I will always think that that's a good thing, but... I just, I can't help but think about, because we cover a small market team, Jism, I can't help but think about Thunder fans, and fortunately for them, when when player empowerment kind of affected them with Kevin Durant, they had plan B, Russell Westbrook, to lean back on, and you know, we have our opinions about Russell Westbrook leading your team as a franchise, but there's no mistaking that Russell Westbrook, having a player like that, um, really salvaged this franchise's pride. And then they have a front office who, again, you and I have our opinions on Sam Presti. At least he's aggressive enough to go after a Paul George. So you, can, you can't say that th- this front office is uh, lazy, I-, I guess you could say. But really quick before we get into the Thunder, because um, we haven't really talked about how this deal affects the Lakers side of things. Uh, LeBron James, 35, hurt last year. Uh, groin injury. When he was healthy with that roster, the Lakers were a playoff contending team. They were a middle-of-the-pack Western Conference team, which means they're fairly good. The Western Conference is a logjam of a lot of good teams, and when the Lakers had LeBron at full strength, they were really good. 
Uh, now you add Anthony Davis to the fold, but you've gutted your depth. Uh, you don't have a, a high draft pick, possibly a Cam Reddish or a Jarrett Culver coming in because you traded that pick away, essentially. Um, I, I, I see all the all the talk about a potential third Max guy. I, I've read some things that make it seem like that's not as possible as some would like you to believe. So um, there are names out there, uh, Kimball Walker, uh, Kawhi Leonard, Mike Conley as a potential third guy. But I mean, Chisholm, I got to say, yes, it's really cool to have LeBron James and Anthony Davis in most nights. That will win you some gains. But that is eerily similar to the team that we cover, and we know full well, as talented as your high-end guys are, that's fine. But you still need guys in the middle to hit shots, to play defense, to rebound, to do all the other basketball things. So I'm not completely sold on the Lakers winning the title. And I know full well that Golden State's going to be dealing with some injuries and some probably some potential key losses. Um, And the West is still really good, like I said. I'm not sold on the Lakers being the front runners for the NBA title this coming season. They're going to be better, but I I don't know. I'm just not sold on them just yet. Yeah, I mean, the Lakers, man, is it going to be an interesting summer for them? So let's first off, I'm going to rattle through a little bit of the players they have left on their team. Uh, Mo Wagner, Kyle Kuzma, <laughs> Isaac Bonga, and Jeremono Jones, who I don't know. Um, so they have four guys on the team outside of LeBron James and Anthony Davis, all of them basically making $2 million left. Kyle Kuzma is the only one that people are going to actually trust to do anything. Um, they're basically building a whole new team. And the reason you're talking about they're not going to have the room that people are anticipating is Anthony Davis has a trade kicker. And I actually talked about this a little bit on my, uh, on my show from 6 to 8, the franchise drive, that the trade kicker was such a big part for the Lakers. And not just getting the deal done, but when it got done would be a huge factor. So the trade kicker is like, it's $4 million, it's the 4.1 or 4.7, I can't remember, so don't, don't hold me to it. But if, it gets, if the deal goes through on July 6th, they have about $23 million worth of cap room. If it gets done on July 30th, then they have about 29. It's a huge difference. $23 million does not get you Kimball Walker. It does not get you Kyrie Irving. It does not get you one of those upper-tier guys because that's a big haircut for them on their payroll. So it really hamstrings what they can do with that third star. They'd likely have to move, essentially, everyone else on their roster to make that happen. So it gets complicated for a lot of reasons. So the, the date of when this deal gets done is going to be huge. And I saw Tim Bontemps came out and said, um, I, maybe not yesterday, maybe the day before, that the deal was going to be on July 6th, and then the Lakers pushed back and said, no, 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 we're not sure yet of when this is going to get done, which is exactly what they need to say. But this team is going to be really, really complicated on how it's built around those two guys because they're taking up so much money. Um, and it's not just like Golden State where you can just say, oh, they'll pay the tax. There are some rules about going over the – you can't just sign anyone and just go into the tax. You have to have bird rights if you're going to go over, which the Lakers aren't going to have bird rights on anybody. So they're going to have to sign, you know, middle-tier veterans um, and, and guys kind of in that price range that we're not expecting. I don't see them getting the big third star. I just don't see how that's possible unless New Orleans agrees to do the trade later, which that gives – there's no benefit to New Orleans doing that it actually hurts them because they lose a trade exception. So it makes sense for New Orleans this deal gets done on July 6th, which hamstrings the Lakers, which suddenly instead of going after a guy like Kimba or Kyrie, 
I mean, they're going to be hoping they can sign Mike Muscala back to a deal and, you know, bringing in, a, I mean, I can't even think of a point guard who's going to be interesting for them. It's just going to get a lot more complicated. Um, and to your point, it's not just about who your superstars are. It's about who the role players are. And right now, the only role player they have that I even relatively like is Kyle Kuzma. And apparently, Rob Linka loves Kyle Kuzma. Um, but the only role player they have is Kyle Kuzma. And outside of that, it's going to be all guys they sign off the streets. Is that going to be like Leander Barbosa when Golden State won their first title in 2015? Or is that going to be like Lance Stevenson last year for the Lakers? There's a huge wide range of outcomes here for L.A. And it's not a done deal. And I understand why their title odds are as high as it is right now and why they're the favorite. It's because they're the only team that knows for sure which superstars it has. So, I mean, I guess on some level that makes sense. But there is so much still up in the air. Uh, about what this team's going to look like because they need quality players and there's literally no one on their roster right now. So this summer is far from done for L.A. They're going to need to do a lot more to continue to build this team and it can go poorly. Like this first year could be really, really big struggle because they have no more assets to trade and they don't have enough room to sign another max guy so they're going to be middling in the middle tier. And so can they get J.J. Redick to come? I don't know. Can they get... Jeff Teague to get bought out by the Timberwolves and him come over? I'm not sure. But those are the guys they're going to be relying on. They're not getting Kimbo Walker. They're not going to get Kyrie Irving. It's going to be one of those middle-tier guys that we're kind of not expecting. It's not as flashy. Yeah, and at this point, yes, the Lakers make this this dynamite trade, so good on them. Uh, but and I'm not. It, yeah, it was something that they had to do, and there was just no excuse for it. But still, at this point, I'm not convinced Rob Palinka is a GM that's going to be able to perform the cap um, uh, gymnastics necessary to get that type of guy, that third-tier guy, or a middle-tier um, veteran that you kind of talked about. But again, there's always the factor of the older vet who may see the Lakers situation as, like, A, I want to play for the Lakers, B, I want to live in Los Angeles, and I want to play with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Those are two high-end level MVP type players, and LeBron has won championships. I want to try and help win a championship. That could be a vehicle for me to do so. So there's always that factor. We we're not in, you know, inside these players' psychology. So who knows? You know, some players may be more inclined to take pay cuts. But that's that's kind of the situation that the Lakers have. They're going to be a tough out, no question. If 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 both LeBron and, and Anthony Davis are 100% ready to go. Uh, relatively every single night, but it's it's just another team in the West, man, and um, it's just another team in the in the Western Conference that the Thunder will have to deal with, and kind of that half-ass segue that'll, that that's just going to have to work for now. But uh, Chisholm, we are finally. Well, I, you know, <laughs> I have a weird question for you, tying the Thunder and what we were just talking about. So if you allow me to ask you a really strange question, we don't need to dive in too much. But I just just sitting here thinking about it. If Kevin Durant, when he was in Oklahoma City, pulled some player empowerment, let's say the player empowerment era started 10 years ago, and Kevin Durant, before his free agency, the last two years of his deal, starts giving me, you better do something or I'm going to leave, you better do, which he did not do, to his credit. He did not force Sam Presley's hand on any level. He did not give him an ultimatum. Now, he ended up leaving, but, I mean, he didn't. Do this or he wasn't that guy. Or at least I haven't heard those stories that he was that guy in the front office. If he does that, and instead of the Thunder trying to stockpile picks and save a little, save money so that way they can make a run in three years, if he forces their head to make a run in that moment, 
I think the Thunder stand a better chance of winning a title. And I know that's really easy to look back on in the past, just based off what happened. But maybe there's an element of the Thunder tried to push the champions. They tried to keep the window open too long instead of realizing that no team ever does. But their championship window is way shorter than they anticipated. And maybe if Thunder, Russell Westbrook, or Kevin Durant had forced their hand, maybe they do better. Maybe now their long-term outlook isn't as good. Maybe they're not as you know set up for 10 years down the road as they are now. But maybe that two years, they're a better team, therefore increasing their title odds. Maybe that's what the Thunder was missing. I don't know what your thoughts are there. No, I mean, it's, it's a good point. Um, it's something that... I don't think you can just say, like, if I had a time machine and you can go back into those front office conversations back in 2012, 2013, 2014, when all this is kind of going on in this time frame that you're talking about. Yeah, it would be interesting to see what if Kevin Durant had that kind of mentality of, like, do this or, like, blah, blah, blah is going to happen, like you said. Um, I don't think that that could exist just because, like, technically, and <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, Kevin Durant became who he was because of X, Y, and Z, not because he just woke up one day and thought, I want to be player empowerment guy now. Um, so all all those things in 2012, 13, 14, 15, uh, the Thunder trading James Harden, uh, Russell Westbrook going down with injury, Kevin Durant himself going down with injury, and then the Thunder blowing a 3-1 lead, all that led to Kevin Durant's ultimate decision. So I don't think you can just say, well, what if he had done that? Um, would the Thunder have done something differently? But, you know, just for the sake of, like, fun hypotheticals, um, it, it would have been interesting just because we heard the same company line for years. Like, the Thunder were, they tried to set themselves up to win now, which you can when you have Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, Serge Ibaka, um, a growing Steven Adams, um, some nice role, role guys in Dion Waiters, uh, whoever else they had at the time, Ennis Cantor. You can win now with that squad, but they also wanted to set themselves up for future success down the road because Presti understands this is Oklahoma City. You're not going to attract a lot of free agents consistently, so the only way that you can have success is through the draft and through some wise uh, trade, wise uh, transactions that way. Um, it would have been interesting to see Kevin just to say, you know what, screw that. I don't care. I don't care what you guys do five, six years from now. I want to win now. And... I, re I really believe that Presti got into that frame of mind a little too late because we, we know what could, that roster could have been if Kevin, Kevin Durant decided to, I don't know, sign a one-on-one -one with the Thunder in summer 2016. They would have had Al Horford, Victor Oladipo coming off the bench with Russell Westbrook and a, a growing um, a developing Steven Adams and potentially you know maybe some more players because maybe some other vet players who would have never thought to join Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook in the past, especially in Oklahoma City, maybe they look at the Thunder in that offseason or an offseason later and say and think they were up 3-1 against the Warriors. They're much older. They're veteran players. They're not young stars anymore. They know how to play in this, in this league now. I want to go help them try and get the, over the hump and win a title. That's when you can attract guys like a Shane Battier or a Mike Miller, those type of players that the Thunder always were going after but could never gobble up in free agency. So, I mean, it, it's, it is interesting. Um, timing, for as much as it's been fortunate for Oklahoma City in terms of drafting Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, and James Harden in a three-year run, really, since then, it's been really unfortunate for the Thunder in terms of timing. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's just, it's just again, it's just a hypothetical 
and I'm sure Thunder fans will either love this or hate this idea, but Sam Presti was running the Thunder like the 2002 to 2012 Spurs. What happens if for those last two years of Kevin Durant, he was running it like the 2014-2015 Cavaliers? Where they're like, we don't care about 10 years from now. We are just trying to win right now. It's just an inter- interesting thought exercise of where the Thunder would have ended up. Long term, they would have been worse off, but in those two years, could they have possibly gotten them? I don't know. It's just an interesting thought. But anyway, we can move on now with what the Thunder are doing currently because the past is the past. Well, I mean, you could really quick. What happens to those 2002 and you know 2014 Spurs if Tim Duncan at some point said, eh, "I want more money. I want to go somewhere else." Like it's that simple. That uh, uh, somebody changing their mind can alter a franchise. Absolutely. But, absolutely, absolutely. But yes, um, we have finally reached the week of the NBA draft, and I put out a little article about my thoughts about what the Thunder could potentially do in the wake of the Anthony Davis trade. Nothing specific. It's more of just kind of generalized. Like They can't technically trade their pick. They have to draft somebody. Um, they can agree to a, t- a trade with another team and draft their desired player. Um, if they package that with a player like a Patrick Patterson or even a higher-end player like Dennis Schroeder, um, it doesn't necessarily, Chisholm, I, I don't think it necessarily will do something for the Thunder uh, like impactfully that day. It's really only to set up the Thunder's flexibility for maybe later in July after that, you know, after the first few days of free agency when all the big fish are kind of caught everybody's in their spot, and then you you have your second-tier players, your third-tier players who didn't get gobbled up in that initial wave, and now they're suddenly like, oh, I didn't I didn't get picked, or no one really wanted me at the price I wanted, so now I, I, I can't really pick and choose where I want to go, so who's left? If the Thunder trade their draft pick and another player to shed some salary, that's where I think the Thunder are trying to make that move for, not necessarily on draft night for player X, but for player X down the road in July or potentially even a bigger fish maybe at the trade deadline. I just want to get your thoughts on that real quick. Yeah, I mean, I mean that nails it, really. So the, the Thunder draft, I, I'm actually – I'm going to say I'm, I'm fairly confident that something is going to happen on Thursday with no inside information because basically for like three days, all we heard from Shams and Woj was the Thunder are trying to move this pick, the Thunder are trying to move this pick, the Thunder are trying to move this pick, they're being ultra-aggressive, and now we've just gone radio silent for a week. That makes me think that something is done. And now they obviously can't announce it because they legally have to make the pick uh, because, you know, all those all those rules of you can't have you can't trade first-round picks two consecutive years, yada, yada, yada. So that makes me think there is a deal done. Because otherwise, I don't think the radio silence would stop. That or they're at least got a couple teams interested, and they're close. So they're, basically, my point is, I don't think they're out still calling the, the 29 other teams trying to shop it. I think something is in the works. Now, I'm not saying blockbuster deal. I'm just saying some some kind of something is in the works. Yeah. Thursday will, Thursday will be announcing a trade, I think. Not necessarily we're going to be announcing this is who they took at 21, and this is how he's going to help the team. Or at least that's my thoughts. Yeah, I mean, um, as we as we got closer like to today, in, in basically in the last few days, I've kind of agreed with you. Um, the radio silence has been kind of intriguing to me. Um, but the more and more I think about it, and we talked about it on the on the Franchise Thunder Insider Show on Saturday, there's really not a player at 21 that can help the Thunder right now. The youngest assets that they can kind of get away with are Terrence Ferguson and maybe one of either Hamadou Diallo and Deontay Burton. That's about as young, developing player as they can kind of get away with in this win-now mode that they're in because Russell and Paul are in their late 20s, early 30s, and they have to win now. You're not guaranteed anything much more um, 
past this season maybe or even next season with uh, those contracts. So they have to win now and drafting an 18, 19 year old kid out of college who might take a year or two to develop into a a nice rotational player, that's just not going to cut it. So, you know, all that logic and then all that radio sounds that you just talked about. Yeah, it just really seems like the Thunder are, if they're going to make any kind of impactful change to this roster, it has to be through uh, trading that draft pick to not necessarily get a guy that night that helps the team, but maybe down the road. Yeah. So to to basically copy what you're saying is I think, because I think Thunder fans on Thursday – Again, I don't know anything, but I don't see them acquiring a player on Thursday that we're all going to go, oh, yes, that guy. I don't think that's going to happen. I think the Thunder know what the rest of us know. Um, So I think there's a ton. It's like half the league, it feels like, is going to be free agents this summer. So to your point, there's going to be a whole bunch of guys who signed right off the bat, big contracts, big money, long years, and they're going to get suited up with the team. And then as days go by, there's going to be very good players very good rotational players who can't find a home just because there's nowhere to sign. And so then they're going to be looking for those one-year prove-it deals, those veteran deals where they come in, they sign, they try to enter free agency the next season. I think those are the guys the Thunder are going to capitalize on. So what I think we're going to see in the next few days is the Thunder shipping out salary in whatever form that looks like, along with the 21st pick, because they don't want to spend more money. And again, I know nothing. But just like my pulse, what my gut tells me is they don't want to spend more money, but they're not as opposed to spending roughly the same. Like they're not, they're not trying to just shed money like Brooklyn did when they traded Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce and all those things. And they were just trying to get as much money off the books as possible. That's not what they're doing. I just think they're trying to make sure they don't have more. So you look at the ways this team can get better in free agency. It's basically their mid-level exception, their taxpayers exception, and things like that. Well, those salaries don't count against the luxury tax, but you do have to pay those guys. So if they can save, you know, five million dollars to Patrick Patterson's salary by trading him somewhere else, and then basically just reallocate that five million dollars into an exception by giving it to as a contract to another player, well, so now your your net the salary spent is the same, but it's just spent differently. So I, I, I just want to caution Thunder fans that if on Thursday we do indeed get some form of what seems to be a dump where they're just dumping salary. I don't think it's because they're just not going to spend that money. I think they're just going to spend it in a different way. Yeah. And I don't think they they want to keep the money where it is and then add another player making their team more expensive. I think they want to try to avoid more expensive, but they're not trying to get cheaper. But that's just, again, no inside information, just my, my pulse. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. I mean, there's a difference between being cheap and trying to shed salary and realizing that, yeah, like we want to spend the money, but it depends on where we're allocating those funds. Like th- this isn't going to happen. But if the Thunder could somehow get Bradley Beal, ownership, Clay Bennett would love to spend the money for a team that had those three top players plus whoever the Thunder have like as well on the roster. It just depends on what, A, what your results are because that's, that's the overall arching point is to get results. And the Thunder... They have not got the results that they wanted. And B, who are you paying that money to? And when you're paying that money to Russell Westbrook and Paul George, you can kind of get away with it. So it's just something that uh, the Thunder are going to have to try and figure out moving forward. Um, Oh, lost. Chisholm, did we lose you? (laughs) I sneezed and dropped my phone. Oh, my God. That might be the fairest thing I've ever done in my life. I'm so glad you did it on the podcast because now it's just going to exist forever. Oh my gosh! Okay, great. 
Now everyone can make fun of me. Yeah, I straight up sneezed and dropped my phone. And then I looked at it and I go, yep, I hung up. That's not good. <laughs> Well, I guess that's just the podcast God saying that uh, I've, I've held you on for too long. So uh, I guess uh, if unless you had any other thoughts, concerns about the Thunder moving forward, because, I mean, we're kind of now in the dog days just for the next few days. Then we'll have some stuff to talk about. Then free agency will start. Then summer league will start. And uh, at that point, it's just a whole lot of fun. But there, there is that point to remember that the Thunder do have that trade exception from the Carmelo Anthony trade that expires July 25th. Really quick, Chisholm, if the Thunder do what we think they're going to do on Thursday night, do you think that this front office uses that trade exception for anything substantial in July, knowing full well that Sam Presti has held on to some trade exceptions in the past and just let them expire? Yeah, trade exceptions aren't like this like magic token. I know like we all understand what they are, and so fans are, I mean, people who listen to this podcast aren't stupid. I mean, trade exceptions can be a great tool because it basically just allows you to bring in a guy at a whole lot more money than you're trading out. Basically, you can just throw out the trade machine as far as matching salary. So it's this great thing where you're like, oh, we trade a guy who makes $10 million, and we're bringing in a guy who makes 25 because he's incredible. Like, that sounds great. But, again, if you look at where this team is, and we've already kind of got those murmurs of, like, we don't need to, we don't need to cut money, but we sure don't need to be spending more of it. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I think that trade exception, it, it very well could get used, but it's not going to be used where they absorb $15 million worth of contracts. I think if it gets used, it's going to be in a – there's a veteran at the end of a bench on a bad team who doesn't want to be there anymore, and the Thunder trade a conditional second-round pick for that guy. And they basically just absorb him in where they bring in a veteran making 5 or $6 million and basically trade out nothing. That's the version of that I can see happening. I can't, I can't see them you know, trading Dennis Schroeder and bringing in Bradley Beal, who makes $10 million more than Dennis makes. That trade isn't happening. Um, but some version of them accepting a smaller contract and not trading anything out, that makes more sense to me. So if there's a version of that trade happening, that's what I think it's going to be. Good stuff, Chisholm. Thanks for uh, making yourself available today, even though you're a little busy. Uh, thanks for jumping on the podcast once again, brother. Uh, well, I admit, everything that happened on Saturday, there's no way I was going to let you do this without me. So I'm <laughs> glad. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm sorry for uh, the, the phone call stuff. We'll try to keep this to a minimum going forward. No, nah, it was awesome. It was awesome. It worked out well. And yeah, it's it's always a shame. Whether we cover the Thunder, they always seem to do stuff when I'm driving or just away from my computer. Uh, the NBA kind of does the same thing. They they waited until three hour, three or four hours after our show. So um, rest assured, we will have our takes, and we had to wait till Monday. But yeah, thank you once again to Mr. Chisholm Holland for doing all the great work that he does, not just with this podcast, but with 107.7 The Franchise. You can hear him, like he said, from 6 to 8 on The Franchise Drive, uh, 107.7 The Franchise, 107.9 Tulsa. If you're out of the market, please download the app. It's free. And uh, you get more and more uh, NBA takes and other stuff from Mr. Chisholm Holland and others. But, um, yeah, everybody, thank you so much for listening to the OKC82 podcast. Uh, Madison will be back Wednesday. Um, so sh- I'm sure she'll be able to share a lot of drunk stories from Florida that everybody will be interested in listening to. But um, we will also be doing draft stuff on Thursday. Uh, Chisholm and I will be at the practice facility to wait and wait and wait and wait to talk to Sam Presti. Um, after the Thunder do whatever they decide to do Thursday night. So uh, stay tuned for all that. But for Mr. Chisholm Holland, this is Brady Trantham. Have a good night, everybody.